0: a builder with a wide attitude, can learn more, can learn new tricks, and they're prepared to be flexible and adaptable, and follow the things that you have researched and you want to do.
1: Homestyle Green Episode One Hundred and Seventy One: The Bailey Eco Home. G'day, welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. This week on the show, I have Russell Bailey, and I've known Russell for a few years now. I've been following his progress on his Facebook page and going to visit him on site a few times. In 2016, he completed a project in Mount Eden here in Auckland, which is a culmination of all his experience working as a um, facilities manager and um, someone who's very passionate about modeling energy and the performance of buildings. Now, you too can see the uh, Bailey Eco Home. Head on over to superhome.co.nz and be sure to book yourself on a tour uh, this coming weekend. If you're listening to this 2018 in September, Uh, get yourself on the Super Home tour to go and have a look at the Bailey Eco Home. Right now, here's my conversation with Russell Bailey. Take us back to the beginning, uh, the, the genesis of the, the project. Why did you start out on the project in the first place?
0: Um, came home after a long time overseas, uh, starting a family, um, wanting to have a, a nice, warm, dry, healthy home, and... Um, been and after I'd been home for a few you know, usual sort of thing, newly married and young kids and not a lot of money, so <laughs> it took years of of renovating and upgrading other houses to get a bit of money behind us. Yeah. And during my professional life, I'd been constantly promoting energy efficiency, and then professionally it evolved from energy efficiency wider into sustainability. So it was a combination of wanting to build the warmest, driest, most comfortable home for the family and the the healthiest home for the family as well as demonstrating to other people what could be done.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I was very conscious that a lot of talks I'd been to and a lot of articles I'd read, people carried a lot of knowledge and said a lot of things, but a lot of the presenters weren't necessarily living what they were talking.
1: Right. Um,
0: A bit like me.
1: (laughs) <laughs> and,
0: and Auckland being a small town and New Zealand being a small place, yeah. I thought it wouldn't be that flash for me to build a brand new house and not put into practice everything
1: I've been preaching about for a yeah, decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so why bit, why uh, did you did you look at renovation options?
0: Um, We had renovated a couple of houses prior to building a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, And when we had renovated, we had put maximum levels of insulation we could as opposed to code minimum. And we even had one villa where we had to take some wall linings off uh, because we were putting a fire, a a much more efficient fireplace than the old open fire. Mm. And we filled the wall cavities behind the fireplace with bricks to add thermal mass into the house in a few unique places. Um, so and that particular villa ended up with a wet back on the fire and solar hot water panels, and uh, you know, the most water efficient fittings we could get at the time, and the, and the most energy efficient lighting that we could get at the time. Yep, um, so we, we'd done that, and then um, there was I guess I was being a bit greedy and wanting to aspire to a bit more, and the, the new home seemed to be the easiest way to. Incorporate absolutely everything I wanted to do. Right,
1: um, and because this was around the time of, um, I was at the Green Building Council at the time. and I remember, um, I think you when you first get in touch, was, this was around the the early days of, of HomeStar as well, and that became a bit of a target for you as well, didn't it?
0: Correct. Uh, HomeStar was at version two at the time. Uh huh. Um, so when I, I think we're up to version four of HomeStar now. Right now, yep. So I think I've got the I think I've got the longest standing registered homestar project <laughs> that's, that's paperwork yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how would you describe the house? Because it's not a passive house. It's not a yet a homestar house. Um, it's been known as the eco as the Bailey Eco House. How would you describe it?
0: Um, when people ask about the house, so so when you say it's not a passive house it's it's not a house that complies with the passive house standard Mm -hmm. Um, but if you break that down into two words passive and house yes it is a passive house
1: Uh
0: because it is passively heated and cooled by its external and its internal environment Mm. It requires no space heating it requires no mechanical cooling it requires no mechanical ventilation for the house always to be comfortable. Yep. So regardless of how cold it's been in the last three winters, or how hot it's been in the last two summers, um, we've always had the most comfortable house that we've ever been in yep. without needing to resort to external energy sources or external technologies to to keep it comfortable. Yep. So so it has it is passive in that terms. So it's and and the key the key starting point there is designing for the sun which also refers back to your earlier question about why build new. Um, Mm. Building new, we could actually build so that every house, so that every room in the house faced north. Yep. So it took us a very very long time to find the ideal section to build on. Um, We'll come back to the location later on. But every, every single bedroom, every living, lounge, kitchen, dining, occupiable area, they all faced north. Yeah, um, the and on the south side of the house we have the garage, we have bathrooms, we have stairs, we have laundry, um, but no no rooms that people are meant to spend any time in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you you mentioned uh, no mechanical ventilation, so that's significant because you did you get a a blower door test done on the house or not?
0: I oh sorry, I'll um, I'll, I'll clarify that I'm a I'm a mechanical I'm a heating and ventilating and air conditioning engineer from background so so my definition of no mechanical ventilation to keep the house cool is a bit different to other people right yeah <laughs> so mechanical ventilation of course we have um, a kitchen exhaust system yeah uh, absolutely essential so all of those essential things for moisture control in the house yeah yes we do have fans for that um, we have a as I said, a kitchen kitchen exhaust system, um, naturally vented through outside, and we have a a Zender heat recovery balanced ventilation system.
1: Uh, right, so you do have a Zender. I couldn't remember if you, you had one or not.
0: Correct. And so for those that aren't familiar with that type of system, it's it's not a fan in the box on the roof. It's uh it's a nicely constructed unit with two fans and a couple of filters and a heat recovery box inside it. And they draw cool, fresh air in from outside the house, take it through the heat recovery module where it gets warmed up by the air being discharged. We supply that air into all of the bedrooms. And then we have the exhaust side of the system exhausts air out of all of the bathrooms, the laundry, the toilets, and that exhausted air then comes back through the heat recovery unit to warm up the incoming air, yep. to temper the incoming air, and then gets discharged to outside. Yeah. So that ensures that the moisture levels inside the house are always at a healthy level. Um, at the exact numbers I haven't measured in every room, but the any temperature or performance monitoring we've done I don't think we've got above sixty five percent RH. Um, yeah, so which
1: is the, which is really significant given the well the ambient is is often above eighty percent in Auckland.
0: Yes, and so I'll, I'll probably need to go back to my data logs to look because whenever I've done data logging, I've been focusing on the temperature side of it.
1: Mm. Mm. which you have done i mean people should go and have a look on the i'm just scrolling through some of the the previous posts on the the facebook page because that's really the the best um history of the whole project and you've done some some great analysis of of all the energy and the temperature over that time and so some really interesting stuff there like you say it's your it's your background but it's it's your passion as well which comes through and uh, I think there's some really useful information there, from people can see how it's actually performing.
0: Indeed, and so, so some of the some of the graphs are obviously a bit small when you're on the Bailey Eco Home Facebook page. Yeah, uh, but uh, a couple of key numbers in there. One, we've had a couple of days when there's been frost on the ground. I yeah, I know like yeah. most people south of the Bombays don't believe it gets that cold. Look. <laughs> But we have it does. Had, it does. We have had ice on the car windows mm-hmm. and had frost on the ground. Yeah. And the closest knee were monitored weathering station had zero point two degrees Celsius yep. at seven o'clock that morning or at six o'clock that morning. Yeah. we had seventeen point five degrees Celsius inside the
1: house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I think it was I think it was one of your posts which highlighted the fact that really good homes their monitoring is actually really boring because it doesn't move much. It's only really crap houses like my 1950s leaky uh, timber house where you get these really interesting ups and downs on the inside because it's just following what's happening outside.
0: Indeed, indeed. It is is pretty stable. I, I do have one very, very spiky internal temperature graph um, and that was a lesson in where not to put your temperature sensor. Right. Um, it was. I added it in one of my daughter's bedrooms for a, for a couple of weeks, uh-huh. and I thought it was out of the direct sunlight. But after I downloaded the data, I realised that either it was in the direct sunlight for thirty minutes a day, or she came home from school during the same thirty minute period every day and blew the hot air dryer on her. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it. Right something yeah yeah we just add these, these 30 minute sharp peaks
1: and, yeah yeah
0: and it can be explained as the the sun was shining directly on the temperature sensor at
1: yeah, the time. yeah yeah
0: had a black plastic out of case <laughs>
1: Before we go on, I'd just like to say a quick thanks to Proclimber, who helped make this show possible. Proclimber's air tightness and weather tightness building systems, in combination with effective insulation and appropriate ventilation, create energy-efficient, low-allergen-emitting, comfortable, healthy buildings. Proclimber's patented systems also ensure the long-term effectiveness of insulation and the structural durability of the building protecting it from moisture damage, thereby making sure your healthy, energy efficient and eco-friendly environment remains that way for years to come. Check them out at proclimate.com.au or proclimate.co.nz. Proclima, and the installation is perfect. So speaking speaking of monitoring, were you you'd done some modelling uh, at the at the outset, the design stage how closely is it performing to what you um, predicted?
0: Uh, very closely. So, um, so Joe Woods, yep, um, from the Zero Energy House in Pointe, Chef. yep, she was working for um, Dave Fulbrook at E Cubed at the yep. time. Mm-hmm. So, I commissioned them to do the thermal modelling of the house whilst before we finished the design because I wanted the thermal modelling to influence the design. Yeah. Um, not, the, not the wrong way around. Yep. Um, to, to be honest, it's a, I should go back and check that stuff again, Matthew. From the, <laughs> from the original thermal modelling, the upstairs floor was still a timber floor. And when we finally built the house, it had a concrete floor upstairs. Why was that? the engineer and the architect's interpretation of what the council would insist on for the areas of green roof that we have.
1: Right. Oh, so, that's, yeah, right, because you got the extra loading because of uh, a green roof.
0: It was, it was actually, it was nothing to do with structural loading at all. It was to ah. do long-term potential movement of timber. <coughs>
1: oh, okay.
0: So, so the upstairs of the house doesn't cover the full floor area of the downstairs of the house. So some parts of the house are just single storey. Yep. And those parts of the house that are just single storey um, have got green roofs that are about to be planted
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, on them. And then the the, the, the three bedrooms upstairs um, and the upstairs hallway and an upstairs seating area um, can look out on the green roofs. Yep. Um, so The engineer and the architect both said, if we did it in timber, the council would say that there's a chance over 50 years that the timber would move, Mm. could stress the waterproofing membrane, and then the house could leak.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it was just deemed easier at the time to do the whole thing in concrete, which actually opened up some other design avenues for us with regards to how we treated the um, inside aesthetics downstairs.
1: Right, right. You kind of had a, a bit of a dream team uh, on on the job, um, built by, by Dave Anstis.
0: Absolutely. Um, so I'd actually picked – so Dave Anstis and his company is called Eco Construct. Yep. I'd come across Dave, not sure where I first met him, whether it was at New Zealand Green Building Council events or whether it was through Eddie Van Uden, yep. who's, a, who's a design drafter. Yep. And uh, but I'd come across Dave and I'd had a number of conversations with Dave and yeah. I basically decided kind of four or five years in advance that he was going to be the guy. Yeah. Be.
1: Which is about how long you need to book him now because he's, he's that <laughs> popular. He was doing oh, yeah. he was doing eco-building before eco-building was, was trendy. Indeed. And both overseas and he spent a
0: lot of time mm. in the He came home and he was quite disappointed in the quality of things that were going on at home here and yep. he was trying Up the game to the international level. Yeah. Um, But it was it's really anybody thinking of doing their own project, it's really important to get a builder with the right attitude.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. More so
0: the attitude of the builder than the current skill set of the builder.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Because a builder with the right attitude can learn more can learn new tricks. Yeah. And they're prepared to be flexible and adaptable and follow the things that you have researched and you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Versus a builder who's not that flexible and kind of, nah, mate, we're we're not going to do it that way because we've always done it this way. Yeah, yeah, so true,
1: so true.
0: Very, very disheartening for the design professionals out there. Um, Speak to to architects, speak to lighting designers. They put a lot of effort in with a customer, with a client and a home, and then – their mate recommends a builder and the builder goes, oh, no, mate, you don't need that. Yeah. And, then, and, then a, and then a big chunk of the architect's value is lost and then the electrician comes along and says, oh, I can get you a fitting like that for half the price. Yeah, and It's about one-tenth of the quality. Yeah. It doesn't have the same colour and and it doesn't yep. have um, yep. other aspects to it like that. So so it, it is. you need to look at your design professionals as an investment in the long term not mm. as a cost at the upfront stage of the
1: project. Good advice. Just uh, before we finish up, what, what's one thing that you would maybe do differently next time and, and one thing that you've been pleasantly surprised by?
0: Um, there's a number of little things mm-hmm. um, for differently next time because you'd be a pretty rare person if you didn't learn something during a project like this. Mm-hmm. Um, So, for example, Half After the about a quarter of the way through the build, well, halfway through the build, we decided to reorientate the upstairs master bedroom with regards to the ensuite and the wardrobe and that sort of carry-on. Right. And that meant moving the bedhead wall out half a metre.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I didn't think it was a drama. Um, <laughs> the head wall originally was an exposed concrete block wall. So yes. this is... A, an upstairs an internal concrete block wall yeah. which was directly above a concrete block wall downstairs
1: uh, right.
0: um, and, and it was on an upstairs concrete slab and there were concrete beams that was a rib and infill system mm-hmm. um, but the engineer said no that's too far that wall can't be concrete anymore so that's now a, um, a timber bedhead wall and as such, it's the only bedroom in the house that does not have any exposed thermal mass. Right. As such, the master bedroom is the one that's also got three external walls and a very high ratio of glass-to-wall um, mm-hmm. measurement. Uh-huh. And so that room has the biggest temperature oscillation and it can also be the coldest room in the house. I, I think that room has dropped to 16 degrees <sighs> one time. It's very Shocking.
1: Worst. That's terrible.
0: <coughs> but... Since then, I've been researching and I'm investigating um, some of the phase change material.
1: <laughs> of course <And> you have.
0: <laughs> I might just build myself a big cavity bedhead uh, just for the phase change material.
1: That would be a good experiment. I mean, 16 <laughs> degrees is actually quite a healthy temperature for um, for sleeping in any way. Uh, some, you know, one of the risks of some of the um, super-insulated homes is, is actually too warm. Um, in the in some of the bedrooms.
0: Yeah, absolutely correct. So your your body's natural cycle is mm. such that in that in that hour after you've gone to sleep, it prefers a cooler temperature. Mm. Mm. And so if anybody's playing with heating systems, you know you want the room to be warmer when you go to bed and warmer when you wake up. But for that six hours in the middle of your eight hour sleep, mm. the, your body's better off with the room being a couple of degrees cooler.
1: And what's one thing that's been a pleasant surprise for you?
0: Just the general success of the project. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can can honestly describe it as a modern and contemporary house to everybody else's vision, but it's actually green under the skin.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I I definitely encourage people to go and look at the Facebook page because you've captured – all of the breadth of the Homestar attributes in that from your waste management through the planting and um, your choice of materials, it's, it's a great journey and you've gone a, over and above just energy efficiency and, and health and comfort there. it's um, You've incorporated so much and I'm, I'm really pleased that you are willing to, and your family, <laughs> willing to open it up and let others come through.
0: Excellent. All right. Great talking to you, Matthew.
1: Thank you very much for your time, and all the best for for the tour and and for the future as well. I hope we uh, I hope we continue to hear from you and uh, and you ke- keep researching, testing things out, and maybe publish. You should write a book one day. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, Russell. Appreciate it. And that was Russell Bailey of the Bailey Eco Home. Now, I really encourage you to go and have a look at all the posts that Russell's done over the last few years on Facebook. Just look up Bailey Eco Home, or you can head on over to homestylegreen.com forward slash 171 for the show notes of this episode, and I'll put a link there to his Facebook page. It's a it's a great resource of all of the learning that Russell's had along the way, uh, and it's also he, he's continued to record what life's like in the house since they've moved in, including um, how the solar panels are behaving, how the sun's reaching into the house, uh, some stories about his uh, his electric car, and, and also the fantastic produce that he's getting from the garden. So um, definitely check that out. He's got some really great images there and some of his analysis as well of the temperature and energy use in the home. Also, if you are in Auckland listening to this in September of 2018, head to superhome.co.nz. Russell's house will be a key feature of the Super Home tour, which is happening. There's a bus tour happening on um, Friday, the 28th of September, and the house will also be open on September the 29th. So definitely uh, make that opportunity. Hope you enjoyed that show. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can always email me, Matthew, at homestylegreen.com. For now, go make a better place to live.